0: Hi all, Kinsey Schofield here with the Today for Daily podcast. I finally got my Princess Kate Queen of Hearts t-shirt in the mail, and it is absolutely precious. This cute Kate Heart art is available in both t-shirt and sweatshirt form in multiple different colors and inclusive sizes. And thanks to its viral success, I've also launched the Princess Christmas t-shirt and sweatshirt featuring our Princess of Wales heart art with a Santa hat. The sweatshirt says, Have a Princess Christmas. Order yours today at todiefordaily.com. Love the British monarchy. You've come to the right place. Welcome to the To Die For Daily podcast with Kinsey Schofield. Take it away, Kinsey. Kinsey Schofield here with the To Die For Daily podcast, and you are going to be so familiar with my next guest. I'm so glad to have him back. Gareth Russell, you are the author of Do Let's Have Another Drink. You are a very celebrated historian, and you have a brand new book coming out called The Palace, December 5th. Um, you had told me some ghost stories one of the last times you appeared on the podcast, and I intended to put, you know, just like reuse that material but I was like oh my gosh I've got like five hours of us giggling and talking so I thought let's do something new let's do something that is Halloween themed all about Halloween and spooky ghosts uh, and really get into some of this brilliant castle history. Can we do like a totally different episode completely dedicated to the palace?
1: I would love to it's because it's coming out so soon with you guys and it's been I mean, I'm sure it's just, just been an incredible ride here, and I'm really excited to share it with American people. But today is, and Canadians actually, it comes out the same day in both countries. But I am so, I, this is a Halloween episode, and you're right. I have been on your show so many times, I am like a haunting for your listeners. So that's our perfect, a, a benign spirit, but it's perfect for tonight.
0: I would disagree. You've not been a haunting for actually, I would argue that the lack of your presence here lately on the today for daily podcast there's a ghosting reference there and i'm not accusing you of ghosting me i know you've been very busy the answer to <laughs> you, you've been very busy with your new book and now <laughs> so good. so where do you want to start am i crazy or did you tell me that the queen mother used to play with ghosts in her family's castle
1: No, 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 you're not. No. So um, in Do Let's Have Another Drink, which is my book about her, there's a a section that I went back and reread. So if people are interested in a little bit more about just how haunted the Queen Mother's childhood home was, I'm going to shamelessly plug my book because I had a riot writing that, but I made a huge mistake. One time I was researching it really late in the library at night with my um, earpods in, airpods in. And The librarian tapped me on the shoulder to let me know it was uh, closing time and I let out the loudest (laughs) F-bomb, screamed it through the library because I was just (laughs) short four letter word um, just because I was so immersed in these like ghost stories. So, yeah, the Queen Mother spent a lot of her childhood at her family's ancestral home in Scotland called Glam's Castle which if you're a Shakespeare fan, you will recognize for, as Macbeth's home in uh, in in Macbeth and the allegedly Glams is not just one of the most haunted aristocratic homes in British history but allegedly one of the most haunted buildings in British history. and the Queen mother and all her siblings, were firm believers in the supernatural because of their experiences. So there is a room there called Duncan's Hall that is allegedly where Macbeth killed Duncan. Actually, it might have been another Scottish king called Malcolm who died there in the 11th century. So that's how long back this castle goes. And each death has thickened the air of glams. But the Queen Mother, or Lady Elizabeth Bowes-Lion, as she was then, he was sort of a very brave child. And her sister, Rose, said... the only thing that unsettled her was Duncan's Hole. She used to run through it if she was doing an errand for her mother. She didn't like the environment there. And if, no matter how many times she bolted the door, it was open in the morning. And there was just a heavy, heavy air there. So to give you an idea of some of the stories at GLAMS, the uh, inn... The 1530s, one of the Queen Mother's ancestors, Janet, Lady Glam's, was arrested by Mary, Queen of Scots, father, James V, and publicly burned to death for witchcraft outside Edinburgh Castle. And he made her son watch. Oh,
0: I so it was dark.
1: And he, yeah, yeah, dark, dark stuff. So what you have, what a lot of people don't know about the history of necromancy and sorcery and witchcraft in the British Isles is that England... Ireland and Wales had really low levels of witch hunting before the 17th century. They weren't really that into it. It was Scotland that had the highest, one of the highest levels of witch hunting in Europe, and part of that was because of a a widespread belief. And what's interesting is they—it's not just women. Women are witchcraft. Um, accused of witchcraft men get accused of necromancy or sorcery but there are a lot it's an equal opportunities decimating crime at this point but the Scottish royal family and the aristocracy are are terrified uh, of this belief that there, there are covens littered across Scotland and so King James V Feels that the Lion family, later the Bowes Lion family, have plotted against him. And so he burns Lady Glams to death. For Harry Potter fans out there, the ghost of the burnt witch, Lady Glams, has a fabulous Ravenclaw esque name. She is the Grey Lady of Glams Castle. And she's said to haunt her home rather than Edinburgh Castle, where she was publicly burned to death. And in particular, she's often seen around the chapel of glam searching for that spiritual peace. Now, we do know that the the future Queen Mother, the young Lady Elizabeth Bowes-Lyon, was not uh, too fazed by these stories because she once frightened her sister, Lady Rose, by dressing up as the Grey Lady and jumping out at her on her way to chapel. Rose did not see the funny side of it.
0: I did some research on the Grey Lady too. And apparently in the private chapel on the estate, they leave it a seat open for her that's that's kind of brilliant brilliantly beautiful right
1: yeah well it's for the piece that she is searching for and hopefully one day we'll find Oh, um and girl? there and there's such and also what's really interesting is um i know a lot of christians christianity is divided about whether th- these things are are true or not things like ghosts or, or those or those feelings but um the queen mother was a very her mother cecilia also a very devout christian you know up, up until the 1920s They would wear um, lace veils. They would cover their heads going into the the chapel. They read the Bible. Elizabeth's morning started. She would go to her mother's bedroom for tea and they would read a chapter of the Bible aloud together. Um, And also, it wasn't until the 1920s that the family installed the electricity. So the whole way through the Queen Mother's childhood, it was gas and uh, gas oil and candles. So it was very atmospheric. But yeah, there is this, they really believed in this sort of Community of the living and the dead, so that's why there's this and Christianity along with these hauntings. So that's why a seat is still reserved for Lady Glam's, the Grey Lady, in her family chapel that she worshipped in in the 1530s too.
0: And where does the poisoning of the husband fit in? Because if you research this ghost story, you you get a mention about how she was accused of poisoning her husband. We know she was falsely accused of witchcraft. What was the king's issue with Lady Glams and her family? And I mean, really truly, was it all surrounding this idea of, of witchcraft, or was that a front?
1: No, they're they're interlinked. So um, treason is a kind of political witchcraft. Witchcraft is a kind of spiritual treason. You are rebelling against the order of God. To cast a spell is to subvert nature. That's what they believe. And so what Concurrent alongside this, the three crimes they're really interested in are treason, witchcraft, and poisoning. I make a joke in the the next book I'm working on, where I say if and if someone in the 16th century was famous and they died of anything more vigorous than a sneeze or less public than a beheading, someone said they were poisoned. It, It was just perennial. It was a real conspiracy theory, and often what we have to remember is a lot of times it was a disease that they couldn't pinpoint. So it looked like poisoning. That's Mm -hmm. not to say no one was poisoned, but a lot of times it's something that we would know is a natural deteriorating illness. But I would say statistically, it's pretty unlikely that Lady Glam's uh, poisoned her husband. But there was a feeling among the later Stuart Kings. It happens with King James V, who we're talking about, and his grandson James VI, there's a feeling that the Lyon family are uncertain in their loyalties, and that they flip-flop, and they're often more inclined to side with some of the great Highland families, sort of the old aristocratic families like them, rather than the current royal family. So there is a political element to this too.
0: And so King James left after this mur- this vicious murder of Lady Glam's. He moves into the castle. Why does he leave so quickly? Does he believe that the castle is haunted?
1: Well, they, fir- well, they firmly believed in ghosts. They d- they really did. And there's no mention in the sources that there was an unquiet, that he believed there was an unquiet spirit. We know his daughter only spent one night there and it does go back to the family. So it's interesting that his daughter, Mary, Queen of Scots, only spends one night there when she's touring the the, the area. And it goes back to the lions pretty quickly. So I don't think the Scottish royal family had any desire to add it to their property portfolio permanently. So maybe.
0: So let's talk about one of the most terrifying ghosts at Glam's Castle, the lady without a tongue. What do you know about her?
1: Tongueless lady, yes. So the tongueless woman or the tongueless lady or the lady without the tongue. She all the names give you a clue as to what happened. So the story goes in the, the before even Lady Glam's, well into the Middle Ages, there was a woman who knew a terrible secret about someone living around Glam's castle. And to prevent, and she also couldn't read or write. So to prevent her spilling the secret, this man, whoever he was, cut out her tongue. And the story goes that from that at certain times of the year. I think more often in winter from what I heard, but other people have said um, it, it can it can happen intermittently in the warmer months. But at certain times of the year, the tongueless woman can be seen in glams, still wandering around, trying to tell the secret that cost her her tongue in life. So she's probably the most. No, actually, wait, she could tie because there is another one. So there you do you know about the guy who's the devil in the in the tower?
0: Yes, yes, we talked about this on the podcast but really quickly. Um I want to go back to the woman without a tongue. You know because I think that what I love about these stories is the evolution or the different versions that you hear when it comes to these stories and specifically with this woman. I had heard I heard like I, in, on the, in the big Scotland gossip scene. No, I'd read that she had a secret and approached, confronted the Lord about the secret and perhaps maybe even attempted to blackmail the Lord about this secret. And in doing that, the response from the Lord was to tell some of his men to cut her tongue out. She escapes the men after her tongue is cut out. Is running across a courtyard. Is caught and then murdered. So it's interesting the different versions we get from some of these same ghost stories. And it almost makes it better, you know. And to have this conversation and exchange them, so you can see how they grow in different directions.
1: It totally. It's um, so what's interesting is it's all there's there's one there's some. Details that are nearly always the same in the yeah. different versions. So, for instance, it is nearly always a lord who ordered it done, which would make sense yeah. uh, hierarchy who could give that order. The where it varies is that sometimes it was the current lord Glam she tried to blackmail or confront. Other stories say it was a visiting nobleman, one of the the Glam's Lord Glam's allies, um. and that she followed him. There, there uh, she followed him there, um, but the. Second deviation is that the running across the courtyard and being murdered. One version is that she struggled so much during the the cutting of the tongue that, that she slipped and the knife cut her throat. Um, and the third, there's a third version that she hemorrhaged from the blood loss and, and choked on her own blood, so the secret actually choked her. And the fourth one is that she lived for a while afterwards, mute. So there are there there's a lot. It, anything even things that are true they enter into folklore and they become embroidered so we don't know but there are definitely many there's a lot leading, a lot of people who believe in ghosts are really believe the tongueless woman still seeks vengeance or, or that the imprint of her suffering is still there at glance
0: well let me just tell you that my body hair grew while you were sharing that story that's how scary that was for me.
1: <laughs>
0: now, tell me about the man that plays cards with the devil for eternity.
1: Yes. So um, there are many, many sources about this one. In fact, I still don't think they put people in this room at Glam's. Uh, and we have, you know, all the way from, like, you know, very famous uh, novelist like Sir Walter Scott, who said that after the sunset, Glam's is too far from the living and too close to the dead, which is a... Yeah, great quote, but bone chilling. Sure. Um, Lord Halifax, uh, an aristocrat, the Australian cooked the family. We've many, many witnesses about this. So the story goes that in the fifteenth century, the fourth Earl of Crawford visited Glam's. Now this all tallies because the Earl of Crawford, the, Crawf- the 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 Earl of Crawford and the Glam's Lordship were neighbors. They were close to each other. They remained actually; these just socialized right the way into the twentieth century together. The the families. This was a less successful house weekend amongst friends as as things went. So the Earl of Crawford arrives at Glam's and is kind of, well, is feuding with the current Lord Glam's. And they are playing cards in one of the towers and gambling for very high stakes. And there's this political rivalry between them as well. And in a fit of rage... Some people say on All Souls' Night, when the doors between Purgatory and Earth are open, uh, the night of the dead or the day of the dead, that Lord Crawford said that he would um sell his soul to be able to beat Lord Glam's. And at that point, another player sat down at the table and said, was that true? And the Earl of Crawford said, yes. And the legend is that the man who sat down at the table was sent from hell and was uh, was either the devil himself or a demon. and his soul was trapped by the agreement and he was able to beat Lord glams. but in return when he died, his soul woke up back in that room and he's still trapped there playing against the demon for all eternity. So the sto- people a lot of people have said they can hear dice rolling in the tower. That they can hear cards playing, they can hear him talking to this entity. And also, um, whether or not this is the Earl of Crawford, m- many people think it is. Um, the Queen Mother's cousin, uh, sorry, the Queen Mother's sister, lady Rose, said that there were a lot of her parents' friends, aristocratic friends, who wouldn't bring their children to Glams because a lot of the children who were anywhere near the tower woke up screaming in the middle of the night and that one of the guests reported seeing the ghost of the Earl of Crawford looming over her bed. Another said that at three o'clock, the witching hour, the inversion of the time Christ died on the cross, that they would wake up with a cold feeling of dread. They would hear the cards. Um, One said they felt the bedsheets move. You don't know how much of this is psychological, but there is a lot about the, the devil Earl in in the tower.
0: Well, what about this other element of the story that I've read about a Servant hearing a commotion coming from the card room, peeking in through a keyhole maybe, and a beam losing its lo- that servant losing an eye. Uh, surely that's something we'd be able to confirm historically. Am I wrong?
1: Well, part of the difficulty with Glam's is that in the um during the First World War, there was an accidental fire at Glam and a lot of documents were destroyed. Just the, the Queen Mother and her brother were there. So at this point, uh, the future Queen Mother's parents had turned Glam's into a convalescent home for wounded soldiers. And uh, and we think a candle or some medical equipment caught fire. And, and luckily the castle itself wasn't completely gutted, but there was quite a bit of damage done. So we think quite a few of the records might have might have vanished in, in the 1916 fire.
0: That's a great point. I hadn't even thought about that. Tell me about this shunned heir, the monster of Glam's.
1: So sometimes called the horror of Glam's, this was the one that the family seemed to believe in least. I mean, Queen, future Queen Mother's brother, David, was a firm believer in, that the house was like peopled with ghosts. Yeah. and But he did not believe that the, he thought he, he described the story of the monster as a lot of nonsense. So he, there are different versions. So, the story goes that sometime around 1821, on a cold and dark night, as it always is when these stories begin, the daughter-in-law of the current, of the sorry, the then Earl of Strathmore, which is what the title of Lord Glams are been turned into, give birth to a child of unseen deformities, is how they describe it. This child was um had severe mental and physical impairments. Um, the, the official version is that the child, Thomas Boeslein, died within minutes of birth and that the, the poor child had so many problems that he, he couldn't live even to his own christening, tragically. The other story is that the child was instant, was put into the care of certain family members and staff and and he grew into a child and an adult of extreme strength. And um, one person who believed in it said he was human only in name and that essentially he had both the mind and the strength of a a beast is how they describe it. It's a little tricky to describe because some of the language she asked is so grating. So I'm just trying to use a little of the language they use to let people draw their own conclusions. So the story goes that this man was the rightful earl of Strathmore. But because of his conditions, the family deliberately withheld the, the news of his survival and the inheritance from him. They also were aware that at the time, bear in mind, this is the 19th century, someone with his conditions would have been institutionalized, possibly experimented, etc. So what they did was they built a room within Glam's castle where he lived and was cared for, but they denied his existence and that he was only taken out at night for exercise. And the only two people who fully knew of him as the generations passed was the current Earl and the factor, sort of head of the estate, sort of chief gamekeeper, if you like. And every heir to the Earldom on his 21st birthday was told the truth and brought into the room to meet the rightful Earl, the monster of Glam's, also called the horror of Glam's. And the story, the legend goes that this man was not only be- blessed with supernatural strength, but also with improbable longevity and that he didn't die until the 1920s he lived over a century so there are certain problems with that story yeah the first is yeah there's quite a few little red flags uh one of them most obvious is that that fire in 1916 when there is no mention of a hidden chamber, the fire brigade, both local fire brigades go in. There are soldiers roaming around the house um, for four years. The suggestion that they could have kept that secret after the throughout the First World War, but particularly after the 1916 fire, is seriously questionable. The f- fact that anyone with those levels of difficulties would have been able to survive over a century in the Victorian and Edwardian period is really unlikely medically. But there is something I find when I was working on, do let's have another drink, which is just a little bit interesting. Um, in the 17th century, there was an Earl, Patrick, the third Earl of Strathmore. And he makes a really unusual request that there is a room built and he, and he pays for it and kind of oversees the construction of this room himself. Now, it might just have been a slight extension. We don't know. But it's possible that was there someone in the family who had these conditions or something, you know, let's let's deduct all the claims of supernatural whatever by 50, 60, 70 percent. Was there someone in the 1680s, not the 1820s, who had these conditions? And because at the time those conditions were believed to be a punishment from God and that person, that family, first of all, the family would have been an object of scandal, but also What would have been done to how that person, that the afflicted person would have been treated by society is too horrible even to think of. So did Patrick, the Earl of Strathmore, have this room built for a relative who had these sort of conditions or something similar to them? The legend rumbles around for a little bit and then the Victorians, with their love of melodrama, take it and run with it. And they really pump up this story. And actually, little Thomas bowes Lion did die in his cradle in 1821. And it would explain a comment that the Queen Mother's brother made, David, about it, where he said the Victorians, invented a lot of rot about the monster. So a lot of nonsense, he means. So is is he just saying the whole thing's nonsense? Or is the fact he specifies the Victorians add a lot of nonsense to it, indicating that there, there was a story that something had been done, but a lot earlier than we thought, perhaps in the 17th century, with Patrick Lyon, the third Earl of Strathmore.
0: Okay, so that just reminded me of something else that I'd pulled. There are more windows on the outside of glam's castle then they can locate on the inside of glam's castle could could that potentially be associated with what you were just saying about this extension that was built
1: that is so sometimes that does happen with with castles Uh, Sometimes they will have... it. it, This isn't relevant to their case. You will often find it in English old homes of Catholic families because what they would do is they would have fake windows for when they were hiding priests when Catholicism was illegal. So they would hide them and they would use fake windows to do that. Um, There's a wonderful place in... Uh, Worcestershire called Har- Harvington Hall. That's still owned by the. It was left to the church, so they've preserved all the windows in the priest hiding places. So, so it, that there are instances where families um did this and they put in fake windows. It's probably that some of these rooms are now bricked up or mm. have just been renovated, as they ex- some rooms got bigger in the Georgian period when they made them a bit more comfortable. But to believers in in the legend of the monster, yes, that the inconsistent number of windows is allegedly perhaps there's a missing room somewhere
0: oh my goodness so exciting yeah um let's talk about um the lindsay clan apparently the lindsay clan were pursuing another clan and there were some bodies found in the basement
1: so the lindsay's the the head of their family was the earl of crawford and then there was also the Ogilvies nearby so the, the story is that there's the ogilvy drummer boy is still there. Um, so that he is still marching for his lost kinsmen in a medieval blood feud between the clans in Scotland. So the drummer boy can still be heard on occasions at Glams. And also, yes, that there are many dead bodies in the battles that litter, that have happened in and around Glams. And Clan Lindsay, or, or headed by the Earl of Crawford, features in that with bodies of their kinsmen there. So really, you know, the whole... The whole area around Glams is just bathed in history. And if you believe in it, it's haunted by history one way or the other. So it's no wonder that all of the Queen Mother's brothers and her sisters and her were ardent believers in ghosts.
0: I'm going to need your help with this one because I I have several stories about a servant boy. Here are Here's what my notes say. One of the ghosts she spoke of was a young male servant, childlike. They believe... Okay, hold on. Let me just interrupt myself painfully and say the reason why i want i merged these two stories is because there's a queen mother's bedroom that's referenced and then there's a queen's room that's referenced is there a difference there yes right. they, they they
1: can so it can be her they can also sometimes there will be rooms uh, yes they're sometimes called call queen elizabeth's room
0: Okay,
1: okay. Um, There'll also be the room where Princess where Princess Margaret was born. And then there will be rooms, sometimes these houses have places called the king, the state, or the queen's room that just refer to a room set aside if the royal ever visit.
0: Oh, you're right, I forgot about that. Oh, cool.
1: Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's I- like, the, this is TBC, yeah. babes. Yeah.
0: So it says... Um... I've written here, one of the ghosts she spoke of was a young male servant childlike. They believe he was there around the 18th century. Despite being mistreated throughout his time there, he is described as as mischievous and funny. Witnesses say he trips people outside the queen mother's bedroom. He's also suspected of tugging at bedsheets in the middle of the night. There's another ghost. Here's where I kind of merge these two stories. Um, there's another ghost described as a servant boy. These two could be the same. The ghost sits on the stone seat near the door of the queen's room. Guests report seeing him vividly, but he does not speak. I don't, I mean, I don't know. I don't expect any of my ghosts to speak, but he doesn't speak.
1: So the story goes that there was actually a young man who was, who's, they refer to you as a servant. Uh, so get different versions. So because um so he was the son of two enslaved people in the British colonies. But when you arrived in England, Scotland or Wales, you technically were not a slave. You were a slave in the empire, but you weren't enslaved in Britain because of a medieval law outlawing slavery on that specific part of the world. So the story goes that this um, young servant boy. So he would have received a wage at the time, but he was he was the son of two enslaved people and had seen some of the the horrors of slavery in the Americas, we believe. um, And that he still occasionally trips people up. And apparently when the Queen Mother was told this version of it. Uh, that he was tripping people up. She said, well, if he's doing that, it's more than everyone deserves, frankly. She really thought that they deserved it and that if anyone had the right to trip them up, it was him. Um, But there is a different version, that he was a Highlander. Uh, So it might be that there are actually three young servant boys that we're talking about here. Um, One that they see visibly, one who may have been the children Um, of enslaved people and one who may have been a local village boy Um, but different stories different people tell different stories surrounding it but yes when the queen mother heard the story that it might have been again different versions of who this child might have been um, whether his parents were, were enslaved in the Caribbean or in the American colonies but when she was told he was tripping people up she said that that was completely um, within his right to do so and it was a wonder he hadn't done worse
0: all right you mentioned mary queen of scots earlier what about this one at sterling castle of scotland legend has it that a maid of mary queen of scots discovered her lady's chamber at Stirling castle on fire the young woman courageously saved mary's life by physically pulling the queen out of the bedroom engulfed in flames um it says the ghost of this maid is said to watch over the castle today and appears as a warning over a potential fire or emergency. Um, I'm just wondering, did she die in the fire? Why does she do? Why does she watch it? Like what? What? I'm lost in these. Um, I need I need the backstory. I need the origin story. I need I need to go deep.
1: Yeah, I because it's funny. I'm I'm working. I've just written about Sterling Castle for my next book. I'm working on a private life of Mary Queen of Scots's son. So and he spent his childhood at Sterling. There is that story, but there's no record of a great fire. Oh. So uh, with Mary Queen of Scots, so it could, that could be one of the ones that are that are made up. But it is still it is still one of the most popular ghost stories. But what's interesting is we do have instances of people who did not die in the places, and they're still said to haunt them. And and one of them is Catherine Howard at Hampton Court that she she did not die at Hampton Court, but her ghost is said to be the most vocal of the dead residents still there.
0: Yeah, well, and then there's Jane. What do you think about that's like very vivid, uh, this very vivid account of her walking down a staircase in a white robe, holding a candle?
1: Jane Seymour, so two of Henry VIII's, well, I have to say, you know, four of them had pretty traumatic experiences at hampton court but two, yeah. two had particularly bad ones his third wife jane seymour who died giving birth there in october 1537 and his fifth wife catherine howard who have also written about so I, this is the one i'm probably i've <laughs> spent the most time with um but she, her downfall began at hampton court with an investigation into her private life in november 1541 actually um two days after halloween
0: oh wow and so what, what day
1: what, of the dead yeah this
0: is kind of silly but what i read was that jane haunts um hampton court in in agony over the way she treated anne boleyn but she she's likely missing her baby traumatized by her death after her her baby M- must be team and must be team Anne starting those those rumors or that ghost story
1: that's yeah, that's probably T-Man doing some PR. So, in um in the fifth in the 1800s, there were two sisters called Agnes and Elizabeth Strickland, who wrote really the first popular history bestseller. They wrote a, a series of books called The Lives of the Queens of England. And these were juggernaut bestsellers. Like they were flying off the shelves. And they did pretty decent research for what they could at the time. The archives weren't cataloged yet. And actually, what the Strickland sisters did was so impressive, but they did fluff some of the things they couldn't find and they also were very clear about which queens they liked and which queens they didn't and in their chapter on Jane Seymour they went to town on how quick the marriage between Henry VIII and Jane Seymour had been 11 days days after (laughs) Boleyn's execution yeah and they say you know there's this wonderfully like Damning chapter when they say, you know, she must have been picking out her wedding dress when Anne was picking out her funeral dress. the uh, the The sword was being sharpened for Anne while Jane picked out her wedding cake to go into the op- like really kind of they they egged on. And so, the uh, when a lot of um, Victorian sympathizers with Queen Jane started becoming interested in the supernatural, they portray the ghost at Hampton Court as someone racked with guilt. For what she had done in betraying her queen by marrying her husband. So, yes, it is probably an offshoot of how harsh the Strickland sisters were about Jane. And so there's a story of her racked with guilt, wandering up and down in Hampton Court. Uh, and that and it's interesting though, that one's really popular in the Victorian period. But the one that keeps getting more popular is that this story of Catherine Howard, when she was, she discovered that her husband had heard that she had she had hired a former lover allegedly to her staff a man called francis Dearham. and the story goes that she realized that the only way to save her position was to reach him and try to beg for mercy so she manages to slip past her guards and starts running down the, the palace corridors if you're going to hampton court it's now called the haunted gallery and she's and she, getting to a room that will lead to where her husband is hearing Sunday mass and she so nearly gets to him and then the guards catch her and drag her back and she's screaming for her husband to see her and have mercy on her and he doesn't and he leaves for a hunting trip and never sees her again that day, that night. And so the, the story is that the haunted gallery is where you can still, some people say, hear Catherine's ghost. A lot of people have fainted there. I actually did a little bit of recording there last week after after hours with Tracy Borman, who's the curator there. And there is definitely a presence like it's it, it gets colder than the rest of the palace. And At one point I was standing under lights. And someone was asking me about it and I said, I don't really know if I believe in it. And the light just flickered above my head and I didn't believe not believe in it enough not to get out of there. So um, yeah. So the haunted gallery is, is the place at Hampton court and that people, so and you can still go and stand there and, and see where she allegedly made this dash in 1541.
0: I love that. That's so terrifying. I was reading up on Windsor castle's ghosts and there's like 25 ghosts at Windsor castle. I mean, that's a party that's that's definitely a party that's a carpool karaoke right there and um i was thinking about the fact that i had was walking around there one of the last times i visited i was walking around at night and i waved to a shadow of of a. I waved and i tweeted about it the tweet did really well actually not to toot my own horn but i waved to um person in a window and they waved back and I remember at the time being like I wonder who that was I wonder is that a is that a servant is that a you know a housekeeper a, ca- a castle keeper and wondering who that could be and now I'm like was that a ghost <laughs>
1: Well, you know, in in California, in your neck of the woods, the old British luxury liner, the Queen Mary, is allegedly hugely haunted. And the joke is that back in her glory days in the 1930s and 1950s, the first class ticket was so expensive that the ghosts are still sticking around to get their money's worth um, by just refusing to check out of their cabins. But one lady was telling me that she used to work on the Queen Mary and that she had the headphones on and she heard, she gave some directions to... To someone who'd who'd come on board for the day, a sightseer, and she gave them directions to where this coffee shop is today. But would uh, the cafe would have been at a different end when the ship was at sea? And she heard. She says she heard a, a ghost's voice saying that stupid girl doesn't know where the cafe is. So she said, I was not only haunted, I was insulted. Like shade was thrown. It was um, it was something that she yeah. So it. I mean, it's just the most. It's interesting because I've been talking with a friend who really, really believes in hunting, and then another who doesn't. And I, I'm either way. I think they are ju- they are such a testament to like the the power of history just washing up on right. these places that we all go to.
0: Well, there's something too when you experience loss. I feel like there's there's something where we go through that we just need to know that there's somebody on the other side, or or some sort of opportunity to reconnect. Does that make sense? desperate to feel like there's something else and it's not over
1: there's a sense also i think sometimes you people who are very empathetic when they think and feel of the pain that these people went through in their life the empathy can create a a desire or a sense of reaching out to hold the hand of the person who went through it and there's this humanity that transcends time
0: Hmm. that was so pretty you should consider becoming a writer (laughs)
1: I'll look into it someday.
0: (laughs) (laughs) There are so many sightings on Anne Boleyn. Um, And when I study some of the individuals that really champion Anne Boleyn, they discredit all of the hauntings from Anne solely based on the fact that they believe towards the end of her life, she was really ready to move on. Um, She was kind of had found some sort of peace and was just ready to be a Heading on over to the other side, in all of your research of Anne Anne Boleyn, um, what's your take on on that, I guess? You know, the idea of of her running down a hallway, holding her head.
1: Well, she certainly was. I mean, there's there's a definite sense of, in those 17 days between her arrest and her execution, and particularly the four, between her trial and execution, where there is a very palpable sense of a kind of Christian reckoning within her soul, she's very focused on heaven, and she's focused on prayer and holy communion. Um, so I think she was, you know, she said allegedly something like, "He who showed me how to live will show me how to die," and she she really did kind of go in a in a very Christian religious sense of peace. Um, as much as there could be in very difficult circumstances, so certainly that that tracks. There is a fabulous story, um, which my friend who doesn't believe in hauntings at all, when I told him this, he said, uh, "I that if there's one story, I believe it's that Anne would come back for that reason alone, which is that in the mid 20th century, Lady Baden Powell, whose husband founded the Scouts, was given an apartment to live in at Hampton Court Palace, and she began hosting seances." And she claimed that she, the spirit of Anne Boleyn came through. And that her message was that she loathed what Lady baden powell had done with the decorating of the apartments. And um, my friend said, Yeah, like Anne Boleyn coming through to be like, I hate what you've done with the place is right on brand. So it's it's like it, you know, that made me laugh. But yeah, there were, there were a lot of scientists at Hampton Court. A lot of spiritualists lived there in the Victorian and Edwardian period. But yeah, I, Anne, Anne, I don't know about. I, don't, I certainly, from what I know of her, think she, she was a very glamorous woman and uh, called the glass of fashion. So I don't know if she'd ruin her image by running, by doing a sprint up and down a corridor holding her own head. Yeah. That, that's not on brand.
0: Not on brand. No, not at all. That's no. so funny. Do you have any other ghost stories?
1: There's only, the only, I mean, I had one at Hampton Court where it was sort of an emptier day and I was walking out of the kitchens during research for the palace and I sort of stopped a corridor that turns towards the domestic quarters in the hall. Like, it wasn't anything terrifying, and it might just have been my mind, but I had a really strong feeling that someone was watching me. Like, it was a completely empty corridor, but a very strong sense someone was there. But that could just be me having spent way too much time in the archives. But it was quite, I sort of stopped and looked, and it didn't go away, that feeling.
0: Very bone-chilling. Um, Before I let you go, you and I had talked about a possible but unlikely Diana ghost story. I want to get the details on that.
1: Yeah. So in September, sorry, in the summer of 2000, the Queen Mother invited, bear in mind, as we've said, the Queen Mother, a lifelong believer in, in this, in the, in ghosts. So and in Christianity. And in the summer of 2000, she invited a local vicar to Sandringham to perform an exorcism on a ground floor room it allegedly had been the room or next to the room where her husband, King George VI, passed away in February 1952. And there had been a long tradition of servants at Sandringham, the royal family's estate in Norfolk, of being extremely uncomfortable with the room and a feeling of a, of a spirit which was unquiet um, there. And there were different people who said it was King George VI himself which the Queen Mother didn't believe, and that it may have been the spirit of Diana, Princess of Wales. But that may simply have been a story that arose because it was so soon after Diana's tragic death. And But it, it seems that servants were uncomfortable with this room before Diana's death in 1997. But anyway, the Queen Mother invited the vicar over for an afternoon exorcism to bless the room and make sure that there was no longer this lingering sense of spiritual unease or a haunted sense. And he did it and they had tea afterwards and off he went. And apparently the room was fine ever since. So at the age of 100, to be organizing an afternoon exorcism and tea for the local vicar, I think, shows a tremendous commitment to remaining busy and proactive.
0: <laughs> exactly. Gareth Russell, it's been such a pleasure to talk to you. You are such a good friend to me, and I greatly appreciate your wealth of knowledge when it comes to all things royal. Uh, People can purchase your book, The Palace, pre-order it today. It's coming out December 5th. Do Let's Have Another Drink a brilliant, brilliant, brilliant book uh, that I absolutely adore. You've got to get your hands on that if you haven't already. Both would make excellent Christmas gifts. Gareth's going to come back to talk to us about The Palace closer to its December 5th release date. Thanks so much again, Gareth. We absolutely adore you.
1: Thank you so much. That means a huge amount. And thank you also to everyone who listens to this podcast for being so lovely.
0: Congratulations on all your success. I'm so proud of you.
1: I'm going to race stupidly. It's like 9pm here. I'm going to go try and get my steps in and hopefully not die of fright um, after this conversation.